I want you to ask God to speak to you this morning from his word. Say, Lord, I want to hear you. I want to hear your word this morning. Ask for the understanding of the word of God. Pray that the spirit of the most high God will interpret every letter of his word to you this morning. In a language you will understand. Pray that where you need to make amends, God will give grace to be able to do that. Say, Lord, I'm willing to accept your word this morning. Breathe upon your word, O God. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Lord, we ask that you speak to every one of us this morning in a language that we understand in the mighty name of Jesus. Let none of us, after now, be confused about your word in the mighty name of Jesus. Let us not give personal interpretation to your word in the mighty name of Jesus, but that the Holy Spirit will interpret every letter of your word to us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, where we need grace to make amends, we pray that abundance grace will be poured upon us all in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. For in Jesus' name, we have prayed. Praise the Lord. Again, I welcome you to church this morning. Those physically present, those joining on all of the platforms. We pray that the Lord will speak to every one of us this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. We're continuing with the theme. We've been speaking about love, 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 and the truth is that you can't finish discussing love. The first hymn we sang said, love is divine. And so if it's divine, there is no man that can possibly say, I can finish discussing love. I know to the end of love. I know. It's divine. It is as the Lord allows you to understand. You know, many of us, those of us that are married, you know, you come to the altar. Unfortunately, on such days, whatever the man of God says that you say, you just say it. What you are interested in is, let me get out of um, this place and let me go and continue my life. Nobody particularly pays attention to the words that we say. All of those words are shrouded in what love is. Love encompasses all of the words that will come in fact, what brings you to the altar is the fact that you have said at one time or the other to each other, you love that person, um, and that's why you have come. You will not have brought to the altar a man or woman that you ate. No. You would have said at one time or the other that you love that person. And truly, if you sit back and ask yourself questions, or that you have studied the Bible to some point, um, and then you've studied love as the scriptures have put it, you are supposed, for me, I, I usually become the more afraid of the commitment I made on that day. Because I didn't understand. It was just that, okay, we want to get married, okay, we... Because when you look at 
what love is really, as the scriptures have put it, then our lives would have been better or that our life would be better um, for it. So this morning, we are continuing. Last week, we looked at the temperature of love. And I hope that you bothered in the week to check what your temperature is reading when it comes to the love of God. And when you are able to determine what your temperature is, um, where you need to cool your temperature or bring it down or up, I hope you are beginning to do that. I also hope that where you need to make corrections, as far as the temperature of love is concerned, you are beginning to do that. Because that's the whole essence of these teachings. Today, we're looking at dimensions of God's love or dimensioning God's love. Dimensioning God's love. And if you look at all the scriptures that we read, the readings, starting from Exodus chapter 3, each time I, I try to ask questions about why would God take such a decision? Why would he take such magnitude of, I mean, he, 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 he went after Moses because he wanted to deliver a nation. A nation who ordinarily, God should have turned his face away and then say that, look, whatever becomes of them, they do not merit. You and I would have placed a judgment of the fact that they don't merit whatever it is that God was trying to do. We would have said that good for you that the tax masters are treating you that way. We would have said that good for you if you can just wipe them out and let a new life start. But God didn't do that. God still in his mercy, in his love, went after Moses and said, look, you need to carry out this task for me. And that's why Paul, in writing, in 2 Corinthians 5.14, he talks about the fact that the love of God can actually constrain you. It can compel you. The love of God can make you do what ordinarily you will not do. In the light of the love that the scriptures talk about, you can be compelled by love. You can be constrained by love. The many things we do, you know, you are, in the, rather than quick to judge and conclude that somebody or somewhere or whatever is a useless situation or hopeless circumstance, can you look at that situation or circumstance from the eye of the love that the scriptures talk about? And that's principally dimensioning it in love. Looking at every situation, every circumstance, whatever it is that comes our way on a daily basis from the eye of the scriptures. And that's why he told Moses, he said, don't worry how powerful that man is. If you now start reading from chapter 4, 5, and you read further down, God then began to put out a strategy, his plan to make sure that they were delivered from the hand of their tax masters. Love. It was principally based on the love of God for us. And if you now look at John chapter 3 that we also read, Nicodemus went to him at night and raised questions. 
He wanted to know. Now, you and I possibly would have been fed up. Would have shouted Nicodemus down. Which was why, in any case, Nicodemus didn't go during the day. Would have said, what is it? This question, what are you asking? You know the way we send away our children? You ask too many questions. Unfortunately, this is the Y generation. They will ask you everything. Even the ones they know, they will ask you. Why? Because they want to get an assurance of the fact that that which they are holding on to is correct. So why? I mean, Nicodemus went and kept asking. And Jesus said, look, you, the, the truth of the matter is that you cannot comprehend these things. Your ordinary mind cannot take it in. He says it's not about the baptism you have done with water. He said, you have to die again. You have to go back. I said, you mean I should go at my age, go back to my mother's womb? He said, no, it's beyond that. And today, we are all benefactors of the fact that that declaration was made on that day. He said, for God so loved the world. And all he was trying to make Nicodemus to understand is that that word includes Nicodemus. Say, for God so loved the world. That given includes Nicodemus. And today, it includes every one of us. He gave for you and I. Have you ever at some point or the other sit down to look at the lines of that particular portion of the scriptures. And it will show you that God's love is so wide. You can't comprehend it. His love is so deep. Why would somebody give his only begotten son? And like I was saying to the, to, to, to the first service, if you had two pairs of shoes, one of them can be described as the best. The other one is the second. And on the fifth today, you have just you are planning to go out and you just want the not the best of the two, but the one of the I mean what one? And then the best of the two is still on your shoe rack. Then a friend walks in to say, "Sorry, my pair of shoes just got bad. Can I have or can I borrow one from you?" How many of us will release that pair of shoes? I doubt so much. Why? Because it is the best. Even you, you are keeping it for the day that there will be what? The best occasion. So that you can wear it. And then a friend just walks in to say, give it to me. But this is God. He had an only son. He said he gave that only son. For you and I, that will my word, that will my leave. And Ephesians then, Paul, in putting everything in perspective, began to teach the Ephesian church. You know, we apportion the scriptures and we take the one that best suits us. If you ask how many of us have been able to sit down and raise questions about this portion of the Bible. Very few. 
But if you now go to chapter 5, where it says, husband, do what? We don't even start from there. Where do we start from usually? Wives, submit. But Paul did something. If you look at chapter 1, and you look at 2, and then you get to 3, he began to teach them the fundamentals of living in love. And he began to say to them, that look, to live in love that we're talking about is not in your strength. You can't do it. You cannot. And that's why I said, how many of you can part with your pair of shoes? Not many. Not many, if at all we have any. But Paul needed to make them understand that to live in love to be able to, you need to comprehend and understand the dimension of the love that God has for us. And it's expressed from 16 to 18 of that scripture. It says that you may be strengthened with power through his spirit. It says Christ, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith. It says that you may be deeply rooted and grounded in love. Just so that you can comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, and depth of the love of Christ. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And you know, in going through this, I, a number of scriptures, for example, look at Nehemiah 9.17. Nehemiah 9.17. Just to give, to show us how God demonstrates this love towards us. It says, I refuse to obey, I mean to obey. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that thou didst among them. But adding their necks, and in their rebellion appointed a captain to return to their bondage. That's what we have done. Look at all around us, around the nation, around the home, everywhere. We have appointed for ourselves captains who have now come to adding our necks. And are making us, even the church, rebelling against God. He said, but, but, thou art a God. Ready to do what? To pardon. Gracious and merciful. Slow in anger. And of great kindness. And it does not forsake anyone. In spite of what we have done to him. We appointed for ourselves captains. We have gone so far away from him. Even as Christians, he said, but it remains what? The same goal. What is constraining him? Love. In our homes, 
in our families. As a man of the house, the woman of the house, how much does love constrain you in your decisions towards your spouse, towards your children? Have they appointed captains of themselves and you are saying, what betide you? Says no, God is slow to anger. If you understand love, look at Isaiah 43, 1 to 3. Isaiah 43. He says, But now, thus said the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. You are what? You are mine. That's God. Verse 2. It says, when thou, when you pass through the waters, why should God go with me into the waters? He said, I will be dead. When you pass through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. That's God demonstrating his love towards us. Wherever, whatever, whichever way, is saying to us confidently, said you are mine. I have invested in you. You know the same the way if you have invested in something, you look after that thing and you want to make sure that nothing goes bad concerning that investment. The same way God has invested so much in us that he's saying to us, you are mine. Therefore, I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba, for who? For thee. I gave all of this nation because of thee. I did all I did. Because of what? Because of you. You are mine. God demonstrating his love towards us. Same Isaiah 54, verse 10. Isaiah 54. Now, these are many ways that God has demonstrated his love towards us and keeps assuring us that his love is everlasting. He says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from who? From thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed. Say the Lord that had mercy on thee. That's the God you serve. That's the God our Savior. He said, I am committed to it. Let the mountains be removed. Let things go worse than it is today. I remain the God. I will be there for you. I will keep my covenant of peace. No matter the trouble around you, in your own domain, you are assured of the fact that the peace of God is there for you. The peace of God is there for you. 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 3, one, it says, behold, behold, 
what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Who can comprehend this love? That's what that scripture is saying. What manner? Who can explain the love? Said, because, said that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knew us not because it knew him, it knew him not. Behold, what manner of love. Have you pondered on the love of God for you and I that took him to the cross? Your sins and I and that of our generational fathers, he bore on the cross because of the love that he has for us. And that's why if you look at Romans 8, 37 to 39, he concluded this way. It was concluded. He said, nay, in all these things, we are what? We are more than through him, through him, that loved us. Now, if you look at 1 John 4, 1 John 4, 9 to 11, we'll come back here, 1 John 4, 9 to 11, quickly. It says, in this was manifested the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. 10. Hearing, is love. This is love. Not that we first loved God. No. He said, but that he loved us in our mess. He loved us even when we do not know him. He loved us even when our parents bore us in sins and iniquity. He loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 11. He said, Beloved, if God, can we read this together? Beloved, if God so loved us, did I hear you? If God so loved us, if you have been able to comprehend the love of God for yourself, for your life, if you have been able to dimension it and come to an understanding that, oh, God loves me so much. He said, you ought to go out and do what? Show that kind of love to everyone you meet. He said, one to another. He didn't say to Christians alone. He said, go out there. Go and express that love. How much more as spouses? How much more as parents, how much more as leaders of communities? Say, go out there because God loved us. And verse 38 of Romans, Romans 8 now, let's go back to that Romans 8, 38. He said, for I am persuaded that love that God has handed over to us. Now he's saying, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, or things to come, can do what? Verse 39. 
nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall, do, shall be able to separate us from that love of God, in, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the love we're, we're looking at this morning. The love that is sufficient to constrain us. The love that is able to make us go out there and express it. You can't finish it. You cannot say because I expressed love yesterday, I have expressed it to the peak. No. You can't. That love is everlasting. You can't exhaust it. Which now brings us to why Paul prayed that prayer. In Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3, it says, verse, it said, that you would be strengthened in the inner being. You'll be strengthened. The only way you can express that love, in fact, if we draw, um, if we try to put an equation together, we'd say that, the strength of the love that you can show is equal to the strength of your inner man. If your inner man is weak, you cannot express the measure of love that God desires of you to give. And so your inner man, it's like, look, I bow my knees before God. I am praying for you. That your inner man will be strengthened so that you can be able to comprehend. This love can come and you can be able to go out and express that love. So I bow my knee. You know, these days, even the church, we now have come to the point. Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. Let me quickly read something. 1 Peter 3, 3, 3 to 4. Quickly. He said, this is where we are now. Christians. You know, in those days, even though um, I'm not so old, but I, I still can remember that it was, not, it was never difficult when you see two, two people standing. It was never any difficult to be able to say that this one is a Christian. We're not talking about the outward appearance alone, but in everything. It says, who's adorning? Let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or putting on apparel. This is not for women. Don't, don't, don't think that I'm talking to you. He said, but let it be the hidden man of the heart. Let there be growth in the inner man. Let it happen. So that's the only way you can go. He said, in that which is not corruptible. All this one we see of the outward man can be corrupted. And is it not being corrupted that you see a man that you can possibly say this one is a pastor, is a Christian, is this, is that. And by the next day, it's a different pastor. Why? Because the inner man, the capacity of the inner man has gone down. Said, I bow my knees that my inner man, that your inner man may grow stronger so that you can express 
this love to the one around you. He said, secondly, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ may dwell in your heart. Still talking about what? The inner man. It's not that which you can see of the outside. It's talking about you internally. Because you internally is what affects your external. Everything that you do is controlled by the strength of the inner man. So if your inner man is weak, then you will be weak outwardly. You cannot express the love of God when your inner man is weak. Say so that Christ may dwell in you by faith. And that's why in John 14, John 14, 15 to 17, John 14, he said, if you love me, if you love me, keep my commandments. 16. And I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comfort that he, that he may abide with you forever. 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because you cannot see it. Neither do the world know him. But you do what? You know him. For he dwells where? He dwells where? Inside of you. is given strength to you internally. Paul was not praying for bread and butter for them. He wasn't praying that they become rich physically. He's praying that they will be, the riches will come internally and affect the household man. He said it will dwell in your hearts by faith. The instrument of you being able to walk in that love is faith. Now let's draw close home as we look. So now he prayed those prayers for them. And then he told them, he said, I haven't done all of this. It is only then you can comprehend the breadth, the height, the width, the length of who? Of God's love. If you have not done, if you have not bowed your knees in the place of prayer, if you have not carefully studied the scriptures, you cannot dimension God's love. And I tell you, everything has a dimension. Everything has a dimension. Even the clothes we wear is dimensioned. That's why it's a measurement. That's why we're wearing it. That's why we cannot all wear the same clothing. There's a dimension to God's love. And if you look at that scripture, John 3, verse 16. Let's try and break it down as we close. John 3, he says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. So qualifies the love that God has for us. That's the wit. His love towards us is so wide that he can take every one of us at the same time. Every one of us yearning for that love is so wide to take in all of us. It's so wide to take in even nations of the world. Therefore, God so loved 
so loved. His love is wide. His love is wide. Look at Psalm 139, verse 16. Psalm 139, verse 16. It says, verse 16, please. It says, Thy eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which is continuance, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. You know what was in? That your eye can see everything about me. Everything. His love is wide. Said for God so, so loved every one of us. Even in our mess, he loved us. He took us in. No matter what our sins looks like, he took us in. He loved us. He gave. He gave. After that he loved us so much, after that the width of his love is, I mean, is described as the soul that brought all of us in, he then did what? He gave an expression of that love. He gave. The length of his love is so long. So long that for as many times as you come, he's always doing what? He's always giving. He gave. He gave his only begotten son. That's how, how, how long that love is. He gave his only begotten son. That's the length of his love for us. That love was sufficient by our measurement. You could have said, no, why should he give his, first, his only son? No. But he gave his only begotten son as the length of the love that he has for us. He gave. And I tell you, the height of that love, as you find in Isaiah, Isaiah 55, Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. Isaiah 55, 8 to 9. It says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. Said who? The Lord. Verse 9. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Can you comprehend the height of his love? That love is everlasting. Is what? Is everlasting. That's the height of the love. So if you can travel to the end of everlasting, it says he is there. He's waiting there. That's the height of his love. If I can cover the whatever meters up there to see, he said, I am there. The height of his love is there for us. No matter what it is, the height of his love is there for us. He walks in love towards us. He expects that we walk in love towards everyone around us. And he capped it up by saying, may not perish. 
the death of his law. God do not desire any to perish. Look at Psalm 139 verse 8. Psalm 139 verse 8. Okay? If I ascend up into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. The depth of his law. No matter what it is that any man is done, the moment, you know, you wonder how people by our judgment are messed up, done all manner of things. And at the point of death, they just accept Christ. Grace brings them to that point. The love of God brings them to that And they just accept Christ. And by the scriptures, they are going to where? They are destined for heaven. He said he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish. That depth of love I don't think any of us have been able to use it up. The depth of his love for us. And I ask you this morning, where are you on the dimension of, law, of God's law? Where are you? Where are you? Have you surrendered to him? Are you still rejecting him? He gave that love. He gave his son because of you and I. You know, Revelation says, it says, he stands at the door of our heart knocking. Knocking. Is God still inside your heart or outside of your heart? How long is he going to continue to knock before you open up unto him? He said, if anyone open up, I will come in to do all, to dine with him. That song says, it says, thy love has taken over me. It says, my life depends on you. I have what? I have what? I have confidence in you. Because his love, we do what? To cover me. His love can keep you. His love is expressive. You, you can express his love as you turn your life over to Jesus. We'll take that song as we pray. And if you are here, you are here to surrender your life to Jesus. I ask of you to surrender your life to Jesus today so that you can begin to live a life of love. So that his love can break forth in your life. And everything about you will take a new dimension, a new turn of life. You are here, you have, you have, you have blocked out that love from your heart. You, are, you, are, you, are, you, you have a case, you have something about somebody, or somebody has done something very, very wicked in court. Or that you have judged as being wicked in court. And you are holding on. That love 
You are no longer expressing the love of God. You have abandoned the love of God. I want you to think about it this morning and ask God for help. Somebody has disappointed you. Somebody has fallen short of the standard you have desired of that person. I have shot that person out of your heart. As we bow our heads this morning and sing that song, I want you to sing that song with understanding. Your love has taken over me. The love of God has taken over us. Choir, please. Your love has taken over me. Yes, Lord. Father, I depend on you. this morning and you have received that word God's love is immeasurable it's infinite who can fathom the depth of his love you have had it all one prayer you pray for yourself is this you say God help me to be able to experience on daily basis the length the breadth the depth and the height of your love as it has been exposed to us from the word of God this morning. Can you quickly pray that prayer over your life? Lord, on daily basis, let me always experience the length, the depth, the height, and the breadth of your love for me. So that in everywhere I find myself, the love of God will be flowing not only to me, but through me to other lives. Pray, let's pray for our preacher this morning that the hand of the Lord that has always been on him and from the, from the blessings, from the, the riches of his glory that he has given unto him to give to us this morning that God will refill him over and over, more and more that the anointing upon him and his ministry and his calling the Lord will cause it to do greater works even in the lives of men in his time father thank you for your word we have received today thank you for your servant whom you have used to minister the word to us today thank you for exposing unto us the dimension of your love to us so much that is one cannot fathom it one cannot understand it because you so love the whole world and you gave your only son father we thank you for this word 
We pray for your servant that, Lord, you will enrich him more and more. You will fill him even greater anointing in the name of Jesus Christ. This love of God will continually shower upon his life. We pray for everyone who God that this word will do us good and make us to move forward in life. Thank you, Lord Father. In Jesus' precious name we have prayed. Can I hear your amen? God bless you. Be seated.